I don't know what the crap you just said. <laughs> but okay. You're weird sometimes. Thanks. You're weird sometimes. Is that better? Like if I say it more enthusiastically? <laughs> Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on March 15th, we have a special episode with an extra special guest. Bethany Finger from the Prince Kai Fan Pod is joining us for a talk about Marissa Meyer's newest book, Instant Karma. We had an absolute blast talking with Bethany and we hope you'll all tune in. Then on March 22nd, we'll be talking about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, aka Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, for all you lovely people and countries the publishers deemed more intelligent than the United States. (laughs) Mo and I decided that we wanted to do a reread of the series this year and see what our thoughts are of it now that we're supposedly older and wiser. Finally, two quick announcements before we move on. With our one-year anniversary coming up in April, woohoo! Mo and I are hosting a series of giveaways on Instagram. Starting today, March 8th, you can find a new giveaway every week on Monday when our newest episode drops. This week, we're giving away gently used copies of books from some of our favorite episodes, along with a The Book Life logo mug and bookmark. If you'd like to enter this giveaway, head on over to our Instagram and follow the instructions on the post you'll find there, or check out our Facebook post about it for a direct link to the post. Secondly, since we're coming up on one year of podcasting now, we're also starting a Patreon. The Patreon will launch April 12th, and we're incredibly excited to share all the cool perks we've been planning. Some of these perks include episode shoutouts, a monthly book-picking poll for a guaranteed episode, a spoiler-free miniseries and bonus content, and even having us send you a book we're planning to do an episode on. We hope you'll consider supporting us, if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Now, on with the show! Welcome back to the Book Live Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are doing another wonderful list of, I think, kind of a different sort of topic. We're going to talk about our top 10 villains, and they're not necessarily like, The way I did it, they're not like, oh, I love this villain, swoon, they're so wonderful, you know, like how everyone was about Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter. Not quite, not that. It's more, for me, I pick villains that are the villains of my nightmares, the villains that I don't ever want to cross in a dark alley. Abby, what kind of villains did you choose? Oh, the same kind of villains. The villains that really stuck out to me and... They were good villains. I didn't necessarily like them as a character like, oh, I want to meet you in person kind of thing. It's more of a, you were fantastic for this story, you know? Yes, I like that. I'm glad we are on the same page because that makes me happy, of course. <laughs> I don't really swoon over villains. They're, they're not my role in my thing. I know there's some people that really like falling for the villains and romanticizing them. And it's just, that's not my jam. Yeah, it it never was my thing. I'm just like, yeah, they're a villain. Cool. And that's where I stopped with that, because it just never got any further. <laughs> so I was compiling this list, and I noticed that I really like surprise villains, because I kept thinking of all these villains that I like, and then I was like, oh, wait, 
if I mention this one, it's going to spoil something in this book. Dang it. Wow. So did you have like some trouble narrowing down your people and your things, your villains? Yeah, I had a little trouble coming up with this full list because I like some of them weren't too hard. And then I think of one and be like, ooh, and I start writing it down and go, wait, no, I can't. I can't say that one. (sighs) Delete, 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 delete. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'd have to think really hard. Well, all right. (laughs) I'm glad that you picked guys that are not going to be spoily spoilies. I tried very hard. Um, and I think I managed it. I think I did pretty well, too. I feel like I did. And I did have some overlap, and I tried really hard not to have overlap, so we are going to talk about 18 books today. But there were two I just could not get past. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I did see those overlaps on your list. And then I was looking through your list going, oh, that was a good one. Oh, that was a good one. And I was looking at your list going, I should have written the list first because then I would have had my list done because you, I'm like, crap, I had to think of like more people, you know? <laughs> uh, in other words, we like all the same villains. Well, we think of the scary, scary villains at the same way, I guess is a better way to say it. Yeah. And that's all right. Well, I, Abby, am quite curious Tell me about your first villain that you are not, that you want to meet in the dark alley. So the first villain I really don't want to meet in a dark alley was Clooney the Scourge from Redwall by Brian Jakes. There is no scarier villain from my childhood than Clooney. He's the first one that comes to mind when I think back on the books that I read. And just the way he's described, he's described as this giant black bilge rat with one eye he's got a cloak made of bat wings and it's fastened with the skull of a mole and his tail has a poison spike attached to it it's just man what a terrifying image for sixth grade me when i picked up this book yeah like that is not a villain i want to meet ever but he was also fantastically written just his characterization and how real he was. Even though he was a rat, he was a very real villain. And you knew it. Well, so. And I would definitely yeah. say Brian Jakes is just really good at writing memorable characters, you know, because the way he can describe things and bring it to life. So not only are you in sixth grade reading this, but you're reading a very good writer who's very vivid in his writing. And, yeah, that's a good way to traumatize 11-year-old selves, you know? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic villain. All right. So then what's your first villain? So for me, I'm quite fond of the Mercyverse, right? And the Mercyverse tends to have a lot of villains. But someone that keeps manifesting throughout the series is the wizard, a.k.a. Wolf. And for me, he is the exact description of the kind of vampire you don't want to meet because he's locked in a teenager's body but he's older than almost everyone else around him and not only is he an ancient vampire but he also is a magic user as well and you're just like "Mm, that's scary because he can call upon so many different forces that you'll never know what killed you yes Wolf is definitely the 
top tier villain in the mercy verse for me like i want him to die <laughs> i know you want him to die but i love whenever he's in the books i'm so intrigued i hope we get into like his backstory and his storyline i hope in the next few books we'll like know more you know what i mean and he'll be more centric see i kind of want to know more but i really want him dead more than i want to know more about him <laughs> like he's absolutely terrifying I'm I'm not a huge vampires fan to begin with. He belongs in a horror novel, you know? Yep. <laughs> like, he's just terrifying. I don't want him alive. I mean, it, but once you kill off all the villains, then what? Then where's your story going to go? Happy places? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I know. It wouldn't make for a very good story, but... Is it so bad to really just want the characters to be happy? No, I do want Mercy and Adam to be happy. You were right. They are wonderful characters. See? So Wolf should stop bothering them. All right, Abby. Well, tell me another one of the villains that you will never want to meet in the middle of the night. All right. Jewish people, I do apologize. I'm probably about to just absolutely maul this name. Yehuda Shalman, I believe, a.k.a. Joseph Shal, from The Gollum and the Genie by Helene Wecker. This is one I read pretty recently, and it was fantastic. It's a fantasy, but it's written more like a historical fiction. So it was just, it was fascinating. And when we are initially introduced to Yehuda, we don't think too much of him. He's the Gollum's creator, and you leave him behind in the old country, and you don't think he's going to show up again. And then, a little further into the book, you find out he's obsessed with eternal life. And he comes to believe that the Gollum is the key for finding out how to obtain eternal life. And he's just this really good combination of creepy enough and just insane enough to be a fantastic villain. And I really enjoyed the part he played in this book. He was just... Oh. See, I was really enjoying this book as I was reading it. Because you have the Gollum and the Genie, who are the two main characters. And you're following them around. I'm going, this is great, but I don't know where it's going to go. And then Yehuda shows up again as Joseph Shaw. And I went, oh, this just got even better. <laughs> and the light bulb came. And you're like, huh. Exactly. Just like this old, creepy, super intelligent guy with all this magical knowledge, just, but he's insane. He's absolutely insane. Ugh. That was such a good book. He was such a great villain. I highly recommend it. Everybody should read that one. All right, so tell me about your next one. Well, for me, it would be from our buddy read that we did back in November? October. One of those words. Whatever. Last year, where we read Uprooted by Naomi Novik. And the main villain throughout the book is kind of abstract, kind of in the background, but always present, always there, lurking on the horizon. And I'm obviously speaking about the woods or the wood. I loved that. Like, it, to me, it wasn't really a traditional villain because you don't think of the woods as something that's going to kill you. I keep saying the woods. The wood. It's a non. It's singular. But I really loved it because it's like it reminded me of the Black Forest in Germany and how it's dark and it's creepy and the light doesn't penetrate through the foliage. 
And there's also monsters that live in the woods. And I mean, like, if you look at Han Christian Anderson and all the stuff they wrote and the Grimm brothers out in the Black Forest, there's all sorts of bad things in the woods. And in this book, you have the walkers, which are terrifying and other monsters as well. And just these trees with rotten fruit and you can be shoved into a tree and be killed and like aren't we all terrified of getting lost in the woods and then getting eaten by monsters like i'm vaguely terrified of a monster shoving me into a tree and i start bearing fruit out of the tree you know Mm-hmm. i agree i liked that one the wood was a fantastic antagonist right you just was I, you just weren't expecting it at all so I noticed the next one on my list is also on your list. Mm, I have a feeling I know who this person is. Do tell. This is Scythe Goddard from Archivist Scythe by Neil Schusterman. Man, what a villain. Kind of one of the most rememberable villains I've, I've recently read. I think Neil Schusterman is just a fantastic author to start with. And when I was initially thinking about villains, he was one, like, Side Godric was one of the first ones to come to mind. He was, ugh, he was creepy and ex- insane. And like, he did so many things that made me want to throttle him, like reach into the pages and kill him myself. Right. And not only that, it was the fact that he drove division between the other sides. He had this like whole little pocket of sides who didn't really follow the code anymore. And just really like, his psychological power over other people, you were just like, oh, oh no. Because obviously he thought he was right and he was doing the right thing and his way was the best way. And people started buying into that. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, when people who are professional killers go rogue out of their code, that kind of scares me, you know? Oh, yeah. It was his charisma and his ability to talk people into believing what he believed that was so terrifying and powerful and just like the twisted mind behind that charisma and charm. Oof. Oof. Man. Yeah. That was mm. Scythe Goddard. Fantastic villain, but I literally wanted to kill him. <laughs> oh, he was one of the most, <laughs> obviously in my notes, I was very nice to him and I will not say the words I put in there. So you don't have to beep about later. Not that they're <laughs> really that bad of words, but just his progression of evilness was insane. I could not believe, like, you thought, oh, this guy is terrible. And then you're like, oh, no, he's even worse. And it just kept getting worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there seemed no end to what he wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving on. My next one. She's not technically a villain. She's more of an antagonist. But Christy from the Mercyverse by Patricia Briggs. <clears throat> I just want to slap that woman. And I, I'm pretty I'm and I'm pretty chill, but man, I could slap her. Oh, I've never hated an antagonist or a villain more than I hate her. She her character literally makes me rage. Like, rage quit, Abby. She makes me rage. I don't rage quit because I'm there for mercy, but... (laughs) But man, weren't you ready? She makes me rage. The the book where she has the biggest part, just... I spent that entire book so 
angry the entire time. It was not an enjoyable read. It was an angry read. She's she's the most self-centered, ego-driven nightmare to ever be introduced to literature. And she is so terrible to Adam. And she manipulates their daughter. I do not like her. She manipulates everyone around her. I know. She's kind of that same charismatic that Scythe Goddard is, except not in the same way. It's that she convinces all the wolves around her that she needs protection and she needs to be taken care of, even though she doesn't really. And it's just the very easy way she flips her hand and manipulates all of them without a second thought. Just, it drives me up a wall. I rage so bad when she shows up in books. Just, grr, you know? Oh, so much. You have no idea. (laughs) I hear it. I hear it in you. Don't worry. (sighs) All right. So what's your next one? Okay, I feel like mine's really classic. Like, I... Again, I was looking into my thoughts, and I'm like, villains, villains, villains. And I was like, God, like, Professor Umbridge from Harry Potter just kept popping up. I could not stop thinking about her. She is one of those characters that just really stuck with me. She is one of the most god-awful women ever, but she's so sweet and so sticky and so pink and so horrible. You know what I mean? Oh, like, for sure. Like, she just manipulates everyone around her. Anyone who has read Harry Potter will tell you, Umbridge is worse than Voldemort. Right? Like, who's the real villain of the series? Yeah, it was Professor Umbridge. Let's be real. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, there's no worse villain in Harry Potter. Hands Mm-mm. down. <laughs> I don't think there's a single person who's read Harry Potter who likes Umbridge even a little bit. Right. But I have to be real. I really... So I'm not really a true fan of, like, the Harry Potter movies, but I love the actress they got for Umbridge. Oh, like, I agree. She played it brilliantly. Ooh. She's just so awful, and she just played it so good. She did. Like, the actress in real life, I think, is actually pretty sweet and really nice. But, man... That is just a testament to what a good actress she is. Right. I mean, we all hated her. All of us hate her. For sure. But the character, not actually the actress. Right. But Umbridge. Umbridge is terrible. Oh, yes. All right. So my last one for this half is going to be St. Dane from the Pendragon series by D.J. McHale. And this is one I read many years ago. But the thing I liked about St. Dane was that he had this air of mystery around him. And there was a general lack of knowledge about him and the details of his actual plan, which just made him a bigger menace the longer you read on. Because the characters you were following thought they sort of had an idea of what was going on, and then they realized they didn't. And that basically happened in every book, and it was just... They were fighting this enemy with a plan, and they didn't know what it was, and that just made it that more dangerous to stop. Because if you don't know what the plan is, you don't know which steps to take to stop that plan. So, quite often, 
they made the wrong decisions and they actually ended up helping his plan rather than stopping it. There's this fascinating little like psychological thing going on between St. Dane and Pendragon because of that. It was just, it was really interesting to read. Man. So it's been so, I gosh, when did the last book come out? Because I literally don't think I've read those books in like 10 years. And like, you telling me this again make, makes me go, hmm, I feel like the urge to go read these books. I tell myself, no, Mo, you're not going to add more things to your list to read because you don't have time. <laughs> All right. Tell me your last one for this half. Okay. So I feel, once again, we're kind of moving back to the wood. So these next ones are the things of nightmares that I never want to encounter if I'm out camping or enjoying life in general it with in the wilderness these are called the vord and they're from the codex alara series by jim butcher so in every book there's always this haunting presence of something bigger that tavi has to fight and it's the vord the vord are these creepy insect-like creatures the way that one of the ones that I only want to think of is like a scuttly crab that's green, okay? And they have an ever-expanding creep. So if you ever played like StarCraft and you think of the Zerg and your creep expands and you have to build your buildings, like you put your buildings on it. Well, that's what they're like too. They're always expanding this green goo that gets into everything and that's part of the creatures come out of it and their little eggs and poof, they burst and blah, here comes these things are going to come kill you. Yeah. So big pass on them. They remind me of, like I said, the Zerg for star crab. And I don't want to play with crab like bugs that can kill me. Yeesh. Yeah. No, right. Nope. Those sound gross. Yeah. But just like I'm sitting here with this like disgusted face thinking to myself, get off, get off, get off, get off. All right, everyone, when we come back, we will finish the rest of our top 10 villains. Talk to you in a minute. Talk to you in a minute, guys. Hello, everybody. I'm Megan. And I'm Samantha. With Literary Lushes. And we want to tell you about our podcast. Join us every other week as we dive into a sci-fi or fantasy novel, where we also drink cocktails inspired by the novel. We post YouTube videos of us making the cocktails. And a lot of the times, we even have the authors on, including Dennis E. Taylor, Marissa Myers, and even Angela Roquet. So join us, because you don't want to miss the podcast that's been described as not taking ourselves too seriously. And with that, we say, stay lively with your libations. Welcome back, guys, and we're going to cover the second half of our top 10 favorite villains, I guess. <laughs> sure, <laughs> why not? Villains that creep us out the most, yeah. So, my first one for this half, my number six, is The Serial Killer from Fair Game by Patricia Briggs. This is an Alpha and Omega novel, so the main characters are Charles and Anna, and they are called to Boston to look into the murders of a couple werewolves there. And there's this psycho who is hunting down people they believe to be fae and or a werewolf. And they're raping and torturing the victims with black magic. The whole book is this murder mystery kind of thing. Kind of like you're following an episode of... CSI or whatever. So it's following Charles and Anna as they're trying to hunt down this 
serial killer and the way he treats his victims and the way it's all described is just horrifying. Like, that is no one I ever want to meet in a dark alley or anywhere. Like, whew. I mean, very well written. A very terrifying, faceless killer. But scary. Yeah. All right. So tell me about your next one, then. For me... It would definitely be from another series I believe I mentioned, which is the Alex Vera series by Benedict Jacka. So in this series, basically, Mage World is ruled by the Mage Council, the Light Council, and there's also Dark Mages. Dark Mages are kind of like little pockets of anarchy that aren't organized like the Light Council. Within the Light Council, there is a senior member, Leviscus. Leviscus sounds great. And he is just a terrible person to Alex, who is basically a neutral mage, which is pretty uncommon. But Alex was a dark apprentice, dark mage apprentice, and he was like, yeah, I don't like this. So I'm just going to just do my own thing. But he thinks light mages are all kind of jerks. So he's like, well, I don't want to do that one either. But this senior member of the Light Council is just manipulative. And he truly believes that his way is the only way. And he does not care about anyone in his past. So he's on this whole crusade that only I know what's good for the world. Only I can protect the world from anyone else. And everyone should listen to me. And it's just like that person who is so wrapped up in their own justice doesn't see how dangerous everything else that they do is. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's one of those series that I really need to read more of. Yeah, you should. I really, really like them. They're some of my favorite books. So the next one on my list is The Tradition in the 500 Kingdoms by Mercedes Lackey. And this isn't necessarily a villain, and it's only sometimes an antagonist. I just love that ever-looming presence that can work either for you or against you, depending on its own rules. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you know the rules and you can manipulate it and see what's coming, then it can work for you. If you don't know the rules and you don't know what's coming, it's going to smack you down hard. (laughs) And I just, I really enjoyed that, like, overarching, looming presence. So, Mo, what's the next one in your list? Well, nothing. I feel like tops the tradition, which is a scary benevolent force that not even benevolent just a scary force is going to come and get you but i got one for you okay okay so i've talked about this book before and i think this from books long past or days long i don't know something like that whatever crap we call our titles of our series sometimes this one this character is from the forbidden forbidden game trilogy by lj smith so i like these books because these are one of those trilogies where You're dealing with, like, an ancient magical race and kind of like Labyrinth where David Bowie's character is like, I'm going to come take the kid. Well, Julian is the youngest of an ancient race called the Shadowmen, and he has too much power for his own good. He's handsome. He's devilish, obviously. And he falls in love with a young mortal, and he falls in love with her when she's a baby, so which is creepy as all get out, of course. Jeez. I know. And he wants to make her his consort. And he, you know, protects her all her life, makes sure nothing bad happens to her. 
And eventually, as she comes to age, you know, about 16, he's like, yes, I'm going to make her my bride. And then he manifests, but she's in love, of course, with somebody else. And he's like, "Mm, let's play a game. And we're going to play a game for your hand in my marriage kind of a thing. Except I have all this crazy supernatural power and you're a mere mortal. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That sounds like a really interesting trilogy. Honestly, it really is. Um, if you have the urge to ever read it, let me know. And I'd be I happy certainly will. to give them to you to read. So, all right. But, you know, it's just one of those things where this ancient force falls in love with you and kind of controls your fate and wants to make you their, you know, bride or groom. Kind of scary. One of those things of nightmares I think about. Mm-hmm. All right, Abby, we are getting close to the end. Who is the next one on your list? Who, who is number eight? My number eight is Monique de Palouse from the Finishing School series by Gail Carriger. She's not really a villain. She's more of an antagonist. But I really do love all her interactions with Sophronia because there's so many ways that they are similar and so many ways that they're different. And it's really the difference in their goals and the slight difference in their personalities that makes them such good antagonists for each other. And Monique always thinks she's better than Sophronia, of course, but Sophronia always kind of looks at Monique the same way. Like, she's a little bit better than Monique, you know? Mm-hmm. I really appreciated the rivalry in the antagonism between the two, it made for another interesting layer of the drama of the series. And I really appreciated how that all ended up wrapping up. I really liked the end of that, you know? Mm-hmm. I love that series. That is such a good series and such good characters. Oh, for sure. So my next one is... Okay, have you read uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for for Peculiar Children by chance? I can't remember the author. I have not. I saw the movie, Mm -hmm. but I haven't read the book. The movie was all right. The book is really interesting. The inspiration of it came from a series of old photographs that the author had found. And the main monster of the story, I like monsters, apparently. They're called Mm -hmm. the Hollows. They're creepy, unseen monsters. That can kill you, and you don't even know that they killed you because you can't see them. They just kill you. And what makes this, like, even crazier is that only the main character can see it and his lineage and his line. And the way he describes them is that they have these long, like, tentacle tongues that can reach out and just, like, kill you. Like, can you imagine just someone's face bursting open with tongues reaching around your neck and just strangling you and killing you? But actually, you can't see them, by the way. So you don't even know what's trying to kill you. That's a creepy image either way. I thought it was awesome. In a bad, well, not a good way or a bad way, but it was good. In a villain way. In a villain way. So I noticed that this next one is on both of our lists. Oh, what's this one? Yes. This one is Lavana from The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer. Top 10 villain for sure. I, if there is someone, because reading Ferris, you think, oh, there has to be some redeeming characteristic of this character. There's nothing. Nothing redeems that woman. 
No, it's, she is terrifyingly insane and twisted. Like, more than you expect. You expect when you read the backstory of a villain that there's going to be something even sort of redeemable about them. And you think you're going to find something like, oh, they did this one little thing that was really nice. There was this one little shred of humanity in them in this one instance. Like, it's not entirely gone. But Lavana, you just, you see her do a thing. And you're like, okay, well, she's she's going to do this other thing, right? Nope. She keeps doing the thing. And you're like, what? <laughs> Why do you keep doing the thing? And she keeps going and keeps going. And there's just, there's nothing there but this twisted, insane person. You're looking at her like, how is there not even a shred of humanity in you? You know? There's nothing. There, she is just, she's the opinion, I mean, if I was going to pick, like, the most evil, most unredemptionable character, it is her. For sure. Like, even Godred is not as bad as she is, which is saying a lot. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Well, because you look at Lavana and she seems to do these nice things outwardly, but when you know why she's doing them, it's like, uh, that, that's a bad reason. That's a yeah. very bad reason. <sighs> there is no good reason. All her reasons are bad. All of her reasoning is bad. It's just, whew. She's, she's a terrible character. Great villain. Terrible character. <laughs> yep. All right, so we are on to our last two. So my next villain is from the Invisible Library series by Genevieve Cogman. And the reason why I picked him is because he is a powerful user of the language, which the language is like the magic language inside the Invisible Library series. And he's also a skinwalker. So once again, another monster that can take over your body and impersonate you and, you know, Everything, your looks, your mannerisms, everything. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, yeah. Albrecht, right? He just, oh, my God. And he's so smart. He's such a formidable opponent for Irene. And I don't know, every time he comes up, I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. And it makes her some of the, like, most creative and inventive fighting scenes because Irene's not, like, a super agent like Sophronia is, where Sophronia is this wonderful, prim lady who can kill you with a knife. Irene's a good killer, but that's not her main motive. Like, her main function is that she's a librarian, and she's got to fight this, not demon, but the, basically a monster of a human, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and being a skinwalker, he doesn't have a body of his own anymore. So he's, like, this vast, almost infinite being of shadow and that's that's a terrifying image right there right oh my god i loved it i have i i read four of the books in the series i know there's at least three more one's coming out this year i can't wait to find some free time to read them (laughs) from my other books (laughs) oh yes i really need to read the rest of that series well it is now your turn to tell me what your final villain is of the evening. My last one is Frostbite and her team from Renegades by Marissa Meyer. So Frostbite and her team are renegades. 
So they're supposed to be the good guys. But even though they're supposed to be the good guys, in truth, all they were doing was using the system and thinking of themselves as righteous, when in reality they were just as bad or even worse than the supposed villains that they were fighting and tracking down and killing. And I really enjoyed getting to see that, hey, not all the people who are considered good guys are actually good guys. Not all the people in power are actually thinking about anybody but themselves. Because that's a very realistic characterization. Yeah. Not a good one, but it's very realistic. And as much as I hated them, they were very well done. But they were wolves in sheepskin, basically. You, they're supposed to be the good guys. And they're very obviously terrible terrible people and they abuse their power and like I remember like reading that whole portion of I don't know what book it was and I was just thinking oh my god oh my god why are they doing this these guys are awful yes they were definitely the worst like the renegades versus the anarchists was a great overall plot but dang if frostbite and her team weren't the real villains in that story right or at least one of the real villains, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was like a nice extra layer of villain on top of the other villains that we had to fight. Right, it wasn't just the one versus one. It's like there were others within. Man, such great characters. I really like the list we compiled. And <laughs> it's telling me also that we've mentioned one new story. Right? No, two new stories. We're doing good. We're expanding the things we have mentioned in the series that we have mentioned. Good job, Abby. Good job, us. Oh, we're trying. We're trying. I know. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed our discussion of our favorite characters. Char- wow, characters. Our favorite villains. Wow, my bad. And let us know who are some of your nightmare villains that have stayed with you through the years. We want to hear from you. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating on the app you use or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. For a list of the books we talked about today, visit our community page on Facebook at The Book Life Podcast and search under Files. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the same name. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by Katie Benoit from her album Dominique. You can find Katie on Instagram at K, the number 8, T, B E N O I T, and on Spotify under her name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.